Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to My Millennium Money Professional. My name's Dev Braga, and I'm your host. And in this episode, we will discuss two very different concepts, saving versus investing. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is back to basics, but you may be surprised to learn many people that I speak to and chat with just don't know the difference and don't know how to do both. So this episode is all about going back to basics. Let's get started. If you want me to discuss a specific topic or if you have a specific question, don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter or via Facebook. And for those of you that are new to the channel, remember the three main aims, education, empowerment and entertainment. A lot of people confuse these two concepts together, savings versus investing. But it's so fundamental to any personal finance or financial independence journey that one has to understand the differences early on. Often these terms are used interchangeably, but I think that's a huge mistake. And in this episode, we'll focus on the basics. There is no point learning about index funds, ETFs, margin calls, retirement principles, superannuation, until we all understand the basics of saving and the basics of investing. So what is saving? This is simply the act of putting aside money for the future. Usually, when saving money, it has a specific purpose to it. For example, saving for an emergency fund, saving for a home deposit, saving for an education expense, saving for a holiday, saving for a home or car repair purpose, saving for a medical expense. And something which is getting very common in Australia is people who don't have private health insurance simply paying out of pocket for their elective surgery so they can get quicker care and get on with their lives rather than waiting on a long waiting list in the public system for their elective surgery in the public hospital system. We see this sort of GoFundMe pages being springing up even in Australia, which is actually You know, it used to be very unusual, but more and more people are doing it. It is actually very common in America because of the healthcare system over there. Now, notice you can save for an expected event or an action, or you can save for an unexpected event. Generally speaking, when you save money, set aside and put it in a savings account, the intention is usually for a short-term purpose or an emergency. You could save over the long term, but usually that involves putting money into a cash account, which is a losing proposition over the long term, purely due to inflation. Look at what's happened over the last 18 months. Now, short term for me generally means one year or less. So where do you then put your money? Now, generally speaking, if you're saving, the savings occur in the form of cash and it sits in a bank account, usually in an offset account or high interest account. Usually this cash is highly liquid, and I've discussed this concept about liquidity in one of my episodes, but basically it means that money is just available, ready to use when you need to use it, or at a very short notice. So then what is this pay yourself money that I keep harping on about? 
That's a very good question. Is that a saving or is that an investment? Now, technically, when I say pay yourself first, I mean you set aside the money, but that money is intentionally invested. And we'll talk about investing as a concept later in this episode. So your pay yourself money is not a savings money. You're not really meant to set aside the money in a savings account forever. Let's use an example to highlight the concept of saving. Amy is a GP practice manager who's a yearly salary of $90,000. She decides to set aside around $500 per month and put it into a savings account. Her purpose of saving is a three to six months of emergencies and expenses. She figures out by the end of the year, she would be well on her way to achieving this goal. Notice when saving, you don't take the money and invest it. It just sits there, in Amy's case, for an emergency. If you don't have an emergency fund or any savings in your bank account, that's a red flag. And in this case, Amy has decided that is something that is the purpose that she wants to use the money for. Now, I know people out there say, I have sick leave as an emergency fund, so I put all of my money into the market. Now, sick leave only covers for sickness. It doesn't pay the house repairs. It doesn't pay the car repairs. It doesn't pay any unexpected family events, which requires money where you are not sick. So what are the pros of saving? It helps you build up an emergency fund. It funds short-term projects, perhaps even some wants, new phones, laptops, or even a new car paid with cash. And usually means the money is safe and secure because in Australia, we have up to a quarter of a million dollars in the bank is insured by the federal government. It's called the Financial Claims Scheme in Australia. Other countries are very similar principles, and it's a principle that came out of the global financial crisis back in 2008. Now, what are the cons of saving? It requires significant discipline. And if you can't master this relatively basic habit, then you're in deep, deep trouble. I speak to a lot of people who simply can't save any money because their expenses are very high with a limited income. You don't make any money by saving. That's not the intention because every year the money loses value due to inflation. Now, you could offset it. So by definition, you can earn a quote unquote return. But to earn a return or yield from your savings is not really what it's designed to do. And you've got to learn about opportunity cost. When money is just sitting there in a savings account, even if it's offset, it means you're not utilizing it for a better purpose. Everyone needs to learn the concept of opportunity cost. So money spent or money saved is money not being invested. And if it had been invested, you may get a better return. And that is your opportunity cost. Now, your savings rate is something you can control. You can't control your investment rates. Now, Kobe talks about this in the book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you haven't read it, have a read of it. And he calls it the circle of influence. Control what you can control and stop worrying about the things you can't control. And in this case, your savings rate, you can control. So then how do you calculate your savings rate? You can use gross income or net income, which is after taxes or disposable income. I prefer to always take net income because gross income, I think, doesn't tell you the whole picture. So the equation is your total savings per month on a net basis divided by the total monthly net income. So if you earn $5,000 after taxes per month and you save $1,000 of that money, that is a 20% savings rate. Now, within savings rate, there's something called the marginal propensity to save. That's another concept. This is when people save any extra income they earn, and we can calculate the percentage of those savings. The equation for the MPS, or the marginal propensity to save, 
is the change in savings divided by the change in income. Now let's use a real life example that's gonna resonate with all the healthcare workers out there. Amy is a doctor and works in a public holiday shift. Now, she would have worked that shift anyway, but it just so happens that day is now declared a public holiday. This means rather than earning 1.0 of her daily wage, she now earns 2.5 times her daily wage for that day. Now, let's assume her daily wage for that shift is $500 normally. Now she earns 2.5 multiplied by 500, which is $1,250. So the extra income is an extra $750 for her to work that shift. Supposing she saves $500 of that extra income, then her NPS is 500 divided by 750, which is 66% NPS savings rate. Now, personally, my NPS, my marginal propensity to save, is extremely high, mostly close to 100%. Now, the opposite of this is marginal propensity to consume. And in the previous scenario, that would have been an extra income of $750 she's earned, but she's spending $250 and saving $500 of that extra income. So the marginal propensity to consume is 250 divided by 750, which is 33%. Wherever possible, you want your marginal propensity to save, particularly early in your life and career, to be almost 100%. And you want your marginal propensity to consume, particularly early in your life and early in your career, to be almost 0%. Now, can you include your pay yourself money as part of your savings rate? Now, in this case, we are strictly talking about money we save and just leave in a savings account or offset. Now, the pay yourself money is strictly not just savings, so it's investing that amount. But these are the subtleties which are important to understand. Investing is really important, but so is savings. You'll find early in your financial independence journey, savings rate is very powerful. But later on, investment returns becomes even more powerful. And this is why including savings and pay yourself money is both as savings rate, because investing is technically a form of saving, although it has risks associated with it. Now, what are the stats in Australia about saving? Number one, in 2022, Australians saved big, on average of their gross income, 29%. The all-time high was in 1973, which was 29.6%, and an all-time low was 18.5% in 1983. That's actually pretty damn good. Australians are a bunch of savers. In 2022, the Australian economy actually expanded by 2.7%, pretty rare in post-COVID era. In 2022, our GDP per capita reached $65,000 in June quarter. Again, not bad at all. What about the net figures? These are all gross figures I've talked about so far. The net figures are we hover at a much lower level. June 2020, we peaked at the net savings rate of 20.6% because of lockdowns and couldn't spend our money, you couldn't go out. And over the long term, on average, we hover around 4 to 10% of net savings rate, which is significantly lower than the 29% I quoted earlier. Now, that's about it for savings. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll discuss about investing. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, welcome back. In this segment, we'll talk a little bit about investing and the differences to saving. So what is investing? This is when you save some money and then put it into financial instruments to grow it over a set of time. And those financial instruments are usually in equities, mutual funds, ETFs, bonds, etc. The critical difference between saving and investing is the level of risk one takes. In saving, there is literally no risk. In investing, the risk is actually proportional to the type of financial instruments you use. Usually when you save your money or savings or investing your money, you do it for the long term. Traditional thinking is long term is greater than five years. But in my view, I'm not traditional. It's at least 20 years. There are three things you need to consider when choosing to invest your money. Number one, expected returns. What is the returns you want to obtain? Number two is what is your time horizon of your investment? And number three is, what is your personal risk profile? I've done an episode on assessing your risk profile and also having an investment plan and goal, so go back and listen to it. It's a very systematic, objective way of trying to develop your investment goals and plans and risk profile. And remember, investing your money means there's always a chance you may lose it all. Of course, that depends on the type of investments you've chosen to do that. Now, just thinking about investing, there are various avenues of investing your money into equities. You can do it outside of your super fund. You can do it inside of your super fund. Now, I've done a three-part super series in which I go in-depth about superannuation, what it means, some of the concepts, and we discuss all of the concepts involved within super. So go back and listen to it if you're interested. Remembering that super is just a structure. It's like a box, which is more tax-advantaged when compared to investments outside of super. So is this what you should do with your pay-yourself money? And the short answer is yes. With your pay yourself money, you need to take it and invest it. Basically, what pay yourself first means is you're the most important person in your life and you take that set amount of money from your paycheck and put it aside then make a decision based on your time horizon, expected returns and risk profile about what investments you wish that money to go into. Then you keep repeating this over the long term. It literally is as simple as that. From time to time, we check on our portfolio and you adjust your risk profile and may need to change your investments, but this is not usually done very frequently. Now, within investing, there are various concepts. You can invest your own money. You can borrow money and invest that money. And of course, that comes with its own greater set of risks. So let's go through some of the concepts very briefly that I've talked about in the past, but I need to summarize again. Number one is volatility versus risk. 
Volatility just means how quickly something changes. I've done an episode about risk versus volatility way back in episode 48 if you're interested. And risk just means the probability of losing your investments compared to the expected return. Now, diversification, that's number two. This just means where your money is allocated in terms of assets. Is it all in the one business or the one company or a variety of businesses or companies? Is it in property? Is it in REITs? Is it in LICs? Is it in cash? Is it in bonds? And the list goes on. Number three is asset allocation. This just means where your money is invested in terms of core asset structures. For example, my asset allocation is mostly in the equity markets, although I do have some property. Don't confuse asset allocation to diversity. You can have a widespread asset allocation, but have very little diversity within those assets. Number four is keeping costs low. Just like how investments compound and your returns compound, your fees also compound. There are various fees which it comes to investing, such as management fees, brokerage fees, admin fees, holding fees, account keeping fees. The list goes on. So you need to pay attention to each of these and know how much you're paying for your investments. Number five is behavioral finance. A lot of people think knowledge is what drives people's wealth. Yeah, some knowledge is essential and useful. Surprisingly, time and time again, it's about behaviors. The number of people I talk to have loads of money but can't get over that initial inertia to actually invest their money is staggering. Number six is, which leads to the next concept, opportunity cost. I've talked about this briefly before. When you put money into one investment, it means inherently that money can't be invested in the other investments, and that is your opportunity cost. Number seven is, invest in things you actually understand. This is a really simple but a powerful and a profound concept. I can't stress this enough. If you're an engineer and know nothing about running a coffee shop, either learn about it and master it, or just don't bother. Now, opening a coffee shop is amazing. It's one of my favorite things to do as well. But it also means that I don't know anything about running a coffee shop, and I love coffee, don't get me wrong. And that's how you could lose your entire life savings and investments. Number eight is my favorite dollar cost averaging. I do have an episode coming up later in the year about this. Just keep investing for the long term. And number nine is Automation. Automation is so important to investing and it just keeps your hands off your investments so you don't do anything stupid. Number 10 is cash flow, dividends and distributions. Now, I keep banging on about this all the time. It just means when you invest money, I prefer and I need to invest in productive assets. This means investing in things which hopefully grow in value, but also during that time produce an income during the holding time frame. Otherwise, it's purely speculation. And lastly, inflation, what it means and how it can erode your investments over the long term. Understand it and manage it. And those that didn't understand it are paying the price in 2023. So what are the pros of investing? Well, you can make higher returns when compared to just saving and putting it into the bank account. You can slowly move away from trading time for income and rely on investment returns and income to live your financial independent life. What are the cons of investing? Of course, you can lose your money. There's always that risk of loss. It needs discipline and needs good behavioural principles and a bit of knowledge about which asset classes you want to invest in. And you need to do it for the long term, which comes back to discipline. Often the first 10 years, you feel like you're not getting anywhere. And after that, your results show for itself, provided you choose a good asset class and has been compounding and has been regular and has been consistent 
over that period of time. So why do some people just fail in investing? People think they can time the market. What they really need to focus on is time in the market. It just means don't bother with picking stocks, and I don't, and trying to get in and out of the market. Because over the long term, you'll likely make a mistake and lose your investments and part of them. And I've talked about this numerous times over my podcasting career, which has been about five years now. Number two is there's lack of basic financial literacy. This is actually very common amongst the general public and the healthcare community. Australians are very good at saving money, but there isn't much evidence we're as good as investing. Just reading a simple financial book or just researching a bit about finances or investment principles is all it takes. Don't believe everything your uncle says about investing or money. Number three is just not controlling your emotions. Investing can be an emotional experience, but that's not a good thing. It's a very bad thing. You want investing to be very a boring experience. We need to live our lives and let the investments do their thing. Stop meddling and interfering in your portfolio for it to be successful. There's a fair bit of evidence for this. In fact, Fidelity, which is a US investment firm, quite a big firm, did an audit of their accounts between 2003 and 2013. That included the GFC. And noticed people that were dead did well in their investments. Or people who simply forgot they had a retirement account also did very well. So what's the take-home message here? Saving and investing may seem similar and often used interchangeably, but saving doesn't involve much risk whilst investing does involve some risk. Now that's about it for this episode, the concept of saving versus investing. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you may be using. I'll leave a five-star review on all of the platforms. That's even better. And please leave a positive review. The more ratings and reviews you leave and the more people that are access to this podcast because of the algorithm, that really helps the team. Now, before I finish up, I was actually speaking to a doctor who unfortunately has come through a life-changing diagnosis. And they wanted to highlight the community about some of the struggles they've had when it comes to claiming insurance. And they do have an insurance broker, an insurance advisor that were able to advise them. There are two things they've learned. Number one is their income protection, which is indemnity, paid them 75% of their income. But it turns out it was 75% of the base income. Now, as doctors, we tend to do a lot of extra hours, extra overtime, get paid more money. But unfortunately for them, and they've done a lot of research on this and spoken to their advisor, all of that doesn't count. So it's on their base income. That's number one. Number two is they've just now realised that TPD and life insurance is lumped together, which means if they claimed TPD, and let's say their total policy was worth $2 million and claims TPD of $500,000 and something drastic were to happen and they died, then they can only claim another $1.5 million of their life insurance. So essentially, whatever they claim in their TPD gets subtracted from their total life claim. These are all the subtleties when people are looking for insurance, they need to ask and be transparent and be honest and ask their advisor. That's really important. Now, we had a great conversation about their medical journey and I really do wish them well and hopefully we'll touch base in the next few months and things are hopefully a lot better. So if you're listening, shout out to you and thank you for sharing that message to all of the community. My name's Dev Raga and this is My Millennium Money Professional and until next time, please make sure you stay safe.
We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.